A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host. I am here today with Dan Fouts. Since 1993, Dan has taught AP government, philosophy, and U.S. history in the Chicagoland area. He studied political science and philosophy at Bradley University and education and social policy at Northwestern University for his master's work. He is also a co-founder of Teach Different, a professional development group which teaches teachers and parents a three-step method for having better conversations with young people. Dan, thank you so much for being here today. Dan is going to talk to us about his method of questioning and how questioning can bring more people into a conversation and help develop both listening skills and speaking skills. Welcome. Welcome. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me as a, as a guest. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you being here. Could you tell us a little bit more about your work as a teacher? Yeah. So, I mean, you gave the, the basic bio, you know, I've been teaching since 1993 and I'm in the high school environment. So uh, I've been my, my experience has been with juniors and seniors. Um, U.S. history, I taught for a while as well. I taught American studies for 10 years, a combination class with English, which was a great experience. And then I've been doing the government um, senior level, um, both the regular government, and then I have the AP government, which lasts an entire year. And uh, as you said, you know, in addition to teaching, I, I'm also working with my brother, on a project called Teach Different, which is helping teachers um, uh, integrate conversations and questions in their classroom. You know, as a social studies teacher, that's kind of our DNA, right? We yeah. love discussion. We love open-mindedness, critical thinking. So it was it was a nice fit. And then I also I also have a little um, blog that I I run uh, on so called SocratesQuestions.com. And that's just where I dump a lot of my just ideas that I've learned over my career. I love reading your blog, by the way. Every time you post on Twitter that you've posted something new, I make sure I go and check it out. Dan has a really good method of questioning, whether it brings in uh, SEL or it brings in government or it brings in U.S. history or a combination of the three. Um, if you visit his blog, you will find out that you too will likely enjoy his method of teaching, which is why he's here today. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the method that you use in your classroom, which I know is very similar to what you use um, at Teach Different and the role that essential questions play for you? Okay, great. Well, we'll quick little um how the Teach Different thing started. My brother actually started the idea three years ago when he was teaching in the west side of Chicago. And the, that was the, the conversation method. And, and the, the basic method, I'll just break it down, I guess, the easiest way to do it. It's you start with a very cool quotation that gets the student's attention about some really cool theme like obedience or success or hardship. And then you have kids essentially articulate what the claim of the quote is. What does the quote mean in their own words, using their personal experiences? And then they give a counterclaim against what the quote is saying in their own words, using their personal experiences. And then that's the first two steps. And then the third step is that essential question that you end with, where 
it's open-ended, it has multiple perspectives, and that gets the kids really critically thinking leading out of the conversation. That in a nutshell is, is, is the, the method that we, that we use. And that essential question, you saying that it's open-ended is a beautiful way to bring kids in because it invites students with different experiences and different life, different lives, um, different races, cultures, ethnicities to answer the question in their own way or think about the lesson in their own way and know and understand that their answer isn't wrong. Right, right. We always like to say, well, I mean, not we, just any, any social studies teachers in general, I think, like to say that it, it's not that it's the right or wrong answer, but there's good and bad reasoning. You know, if, if you take a position and you, you, you reason it through and you answer a question and take a clear stand and you defend it, then that's good. <laughs> um, if you don't defend it, then that's bad. So the, the goodness and badness are, are more on how you think about the question, not the precise right or wrong answer to it. At least that's how I try to model it. I don't know if you'd agree with that too, Cheryl Ann. Oh, absolutely. The more evidence a student can provide to back up their claim, the better their answer is. There you go. Yeah. And that's definitely a real life skill because when you are going out into the world and you have an opinion about politics or something that's going on in your workplace or even that something something that's going on in your own family, you need to be able to back that opinion up with some sort of evidence or some sort of truth before anybody's going to take you seriously. Yes, yes, definitely. And you know, a lot of the the, the disinformation that's going on in society, and, and it's hard to know exactly what is true and what's not true in the news, this skill is so important to be able to sift through evidence and figure out what your, what your claims are, what your counterclaims are, and defend them using good logic. It's so important. Exactly. And they can also start learning how to identify other people's logic as well to see if others just like you were just saying with the news media or other people in their friend group or whatever part of their lives have evidence to back up that opinion that they have so that they know what they're listening to and they can really sift through it. Yes, yes. So we've been virtual in one way or another, many of us as teachers. Um, how have essential questions and conversations helped you make virtual learning meaningful? Yeah, we've all, this has been such an amazing challenge since August. Um, I was very, uh, you know, like all teachers, very reluctant starting out. Is this really going to work? You know, because I was fearful that, you know, well, kids are going to hide behind computer screens and they're not going to want to talk. And, you know, again, that has happened. I'll, I'll admit <laughs> um, it's been very hard to get certain students engaged. Um, I will say, though, that this, this method, this teach different method, has worked for me. And I, I think the reason it's worked is, is I, I built in a specific way of doing it that I'll share right now that, that really worked for me. And that is this. I create a Google form asking, giving the kids the quote, that, you know, the quote that I mentioned before, and I ask them, what is the claim? What is the counterclaim? And then I share the essential question. And I send this Google form to the kids one or two days 
before the conversation. So they actually produce a response to the claim, counterclaim, and the central question. They submit it to me. I get a Google spreadsheet of all their responses. And then I review all of their thinking and ideas before we actually do the conversation live. And so what I found in an online environment, and I'm totally bringing this in to a face-to-face environment, is that when you have all the kids' initial responses, you as the teacher are in a much better position to manage the conversation because you already have their ideas. So, you know, we're always afraid as teachers, you know, it's going to stall. No one's going to say anything, right? But when, when it stalls, you can say, you know, John, you wrote in the Google form that you thought um, you had a hardship because when you were trying to study math, you were struggling with this. Could you get into that a little bit? Could you elaborate on that a little bit, John? And so then John jumps into the conversation. So having that spreadsheet has been very helpful for me in a virtual environment to make sure that I I, I involve as many kids as possible with multiple perspectives and diverse opinions. And do the students know that what they put on that Google form could possibly be shared with everybody? I tell them, <laughs> but, but I say this, if, if you don't want your ideas shared, just tell me, not a problem. Another little trick I do is I say, someone put in a really cool idea. I, I got to read this off the spreadsheet. Then I, I read the idea and then I say, would anyone like to take credit? And you get shy kids who will say, that's mine. You know, and then they feel more involved, right? They feel more a part of it, but you're not threatening them and embarrassing them. Exactly. And I think that it's important that our listeners who might employ that method know that because sometimes kids don't want to share, but there are certain like backdoor ways that you can make them feel good and build them up. And also your method of saying, listen, I won't share it if you don't want me to just let me know is also really good for getting them to open up to you. This way, you know, if a student is struggling or they might tell you a story that maybe they wouldn't feel brave enough to share in class and you get some insight into what's going on with them, especially in this whole virtual um, classroom kind of thing where it's really hard to tell because sometimes you're just staring at a tiny little icon for 15 minutes. Yes, yes. And and I think it's important, Cheryl Ann, to have the teacher share his or her own ideas as well. We have, you have, I think we have to be a partner in the conversation because when we're sharing our personal experiences, the kids open up more, at least mostly. Absolutely. They learn to trust us. And it's also they learn that we're human. It's not like we live yeah. at school and, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the only place we, we exist. <laughs> Right, right. So um, you use this method in your history and government classes. How do you also connect with students to build SEL competencies or social emotional learning competencies using this method? Yeah, and really, I think I think conversations by nature are social emotional. In that, if you're having a good conversation, if you've been in a good conversation you are sharing your opinions in an atmosphere of trust and respect. And you are bringing your personal experiences to bear on a crowd, all right? 
that is that's your social emotional learning right there in action because you're sharing your feelings and personal experiences. What I always tell the kids with the conversations, I like to keep them kind of general um, because I really want them to talk about what they did on Saturday for their evidence, right? Can you connect with something that you've actually experienced that you know ties to this quotation, right? So I think the social, social emotional learning is baked in two conversations. And then when you get to the essential question part of it, it's also baked in because I always tell the kids, you're going to answer this essential question. A lot of times the assessment of the conversation is I say, you got to go home, look at this essential question. You already answered it on the spreadsheet, but I want another answer now because we've had 30 minutes of conversation. So now put together a response using personal experiences for your evidence and the experiences of your classmates. So again, I think that's the social emotional learning too, because they're talking about other people's experiences in addition to their own. What is your favorite example of an essential question? I know I have a few of my own in my own classroom. How about you? Well, one that I've used that has probably been my most successful conversation is one on Albert Einstein. I'll start with a quote. Never do anything against conscience, even if the state demands it. Okay, so this is maybe a little bit older crowd, but, you know, define conscience and all that. But then the claim, counterclaim, and then the essential question is, should you ever disobey authority? Okay, so after a 30-minute conversation with the kids on obedience, they have a lot of things to talk about in that essential question. You know, when do they disobey authority? They talk about, you know, parents, they talk about their coaches, they talk about their teachers, they talk about society, they talk about protests. So I think that I, I, I really like that essential question. That's an awesome essential question, especially given what is going on in our nation. Lately, different kids will have different perspectives on that question. And it's a really great way for them to talk about it in a safe environment. Yes. And that one I remember too, Cheryl Ann, the kids brought up the pandemic and we're talking about masks. Should you wear masks or should you disobey authority? You know, that's a rich discussion right there. So you are one of the founders of Teach Different. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about what Teach Different is and how they can use it to help them reach more learners in their classes? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned my my brother um, who taught on the west side of Chicago started the idea. And it was interesting because he actually started this method as a classroom management strategy. He was in a very, very difficult school. He was he had lost control of the classroom. I mean, he had had 17 years of experience at the time and he lost control of the class. He needed he needed a survival mechanism. So what he started to do is write a quote on the board when the kids came in and have the kids immediately do the claim of the quote and then do the counterclaim. And so what started then as a, as a classroom management strategy blossomed into something that was more structured. And then I kind of added the essential question component of it, which is the, the last part of it. And that's, that's how it was born. So I guess, you know, both Steve and, 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 and me, you know, 
put it together that way. How can teachers use Teach Different to help reach more learners? Yeah, so what we encourage teachers to do when they go to the site, we have just conversation kits that they can access. And you just use one of the conversations, put the quote up, and by putting it out there to your crowd, you're, and you get them to have them um, articulate the claim, articulate the counterclaim, and then do the essential question. You, you, the intention is to involve all of the students in your class in a shared experience, exploring some common theme. I got the chance to go through Teach Different. I've been to the website a couple of times, but one of the things that I discovered that I liked a lot that you posted was about Lao Tzu and leadership and connecting it to the U.S. Constitution. So you connect this idea of we the people to the philosophy of leading the people by walking behind them by following what the people say to do. And I thought that that was a really interesting connection, particularly because it brings in non-Western history. It brings in history of Asia. And that's a really great way to bring in something that normally people wouldn't connect. I didn't connect it until I saw your website and I saw you make that connection. And I know Lao Tzu, I teach that. And I just, it, it blew my mind. So there are so many really great connections that you guys make uh, on this website that I think I, I think teachers could really benefit from. And we also like to do, there's a couple celebrities, like we have a Michael Jordan quote that I really like that, um, and I, I have to remember it now, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. So it's on the idea of teamwork, which is a really important theme for the kids. And, you know, again, the other thing to mention, Cheryl Ann, is, you know, you can enjoy the conversations just for social emotional learning conversations. If you just want to connect with the kids and build a culture in your classroom, you got it. But I, I think they're most powerful when you tie them to your curriculum, as, as you're suggesting there, you know, if you're teaching, you know, a non-Western history course or a Western history course or whatever, find a quote to start a unit with. Or, you know, going back to our our um, Einstein example, never do anything against conscience, even if the state demands it. I do that 30-minute conversation right before I introduce the letter from Birmingham jail. And so they read that primary source with the idea of obedience. And should I ever disobey authority? That's in their head when they read it. So then they're thinking about Martin Luther King. Well, he's not, dis he's not obeying authority. Was that right? Or was that wrong? Now they, they're much more prepared to engage in that primary source because they had the conversation beforehand. So when it's connected with curriculum, I think the conversations and essential questions are most powerful. I was also thinking with the Einstein quote, and I might not use the, the, um, the part about obeying the state, but I was thinking about even introducing the Manhattan Project and dropping the atomic bomb, especially because Einstein was a part of that project. Yes, yes. So there are yeah. so many different places in history where you can use it. You can use it with the American Revolution if you want to, or you can use it with the Underground Railroad. There are so many connections that you can make with the quotes 
that you've chosen, or even if you as a teacher go out and find your own from celebrities or, uh, or famous people or people in history or what have you, there are ways to bring kids in, in a way that they might not expect that you're bringing them in. Yes. Yes. Because as you know, if they're personally invested in the theme that you're teaching, then the chances of them caring about your curriculum go up. Absolutely. And that actually brings me to my next question. How do you envision that your essential method, essential question conversation method helps see students in themselves in the curriculum where they otherwise might not, especially if it's a traditional history curriculum? How they see themselves in in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that really just reinforces what I said. I, I You know, it's, if you, if we're able to talk about a theme that they care about, that impacts their life, then you're inside their life, right? And they then, they then feel a part of your classroom and they feel like there's something at stake that they're learning. Then when you add the content, there's a personal investment. And so, you know, as we know, when they're, when they're invested emotionally, they're gonna be invested intellectually. But often what we do in maybe a traditional, I think, is this what you meant by a traditional history class where if you're, you know, if you're doing a lot of lecture and I'm not against lecture, by the way, I love lecture sometimes. This is, this is to be used in addition to that, right? But if it's, if it's all content heavy lecture, then the kids might be intellectually invested, but they don't have the emotional attachment to what they're learning. And I think the emotional stuff is what you get through the conversations. Absolutely. And it's hard to have an emotional connection to a curriculum where you don't see yourself, where everything is dead white guys. So being able to bring yourself into it or using these, this essential question method and the quotation method to bring in people that aren't in your book or aren't in your state standards is a really great way to hook in kids who are like, this isn't about me. Who cares? Yeah. And because you have, if you have 30 kids in your room and they're sharing their personal experiences and they're from different backgrounds, that's, that's great. You know, then they start at, at a, at a spot of their learning where there's, there's mutual understanding and perspective. Which the world needs a lot more of these days. So if we can oh, send yeah. kids out into the world with that, I think we've reached our goal. I also read that you do some work with the National Council for the Social Studies. Would you mind telling us about that? Yeah, we, we have a actually a webinar series with them. It began in November. We did our, a November and a December conversation. And then we have one in January, February, and March. Um, January, we have one that's called Teach Different with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to celebrate his, his uh, birthday. And it's the, an online conversation with your students on conflict. And then we're doing Harriet Tubman in February to celebrate Black History Month. And then in March to celebrate Women's History Month, we're doing one with Audre Lorde. That sounds wonderful. And we should go to the National Council of Social Studies website to sign up for that? Yep, their professional learning link. And then you can just sign up for the webinar there. Wow, that's really great. Thank you. Before we end, I am going to quote you from your website because I think that 
Dan brings a lot to the table that everyone can learn from, but something really struck me uh, as I was reading through his method and all the things that he does in his classroom. And basically he, he tells us on, on his website that everyone's voice can be heard. So by using questioning, everyone's voice can be heard and it gives kids the power of self-expression. And what really struck me most is that kids feel listened to. And when a child feels listened to, they are more likely to listen back and learn how to listen back, which develops empathy and readiness to learn. I think that's amazing. Thanks. I, mean, I, I think that that's so true. And, and we, we have a chance to model that as teachers. And when we model it, the kids, a lot of times, they, they respond affirmatively. Dan, before we end tonight, is there anything that you would like to share or any closing remark that you would like to make that I didn't ask you about? Well, really, just that I, the whole idea of conversations and thematic teaching and and essential questions and kind of this philosophical approach that, that we're, we're really talking about today. I just hope that it becomes more of the norm. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like this kind of teaching is appreciated, but it's not appreciated enough because there's so many other things we have to do, which are also valuable in the classroom. But I think we just need to make space for more conversations and to really get to know our kids and to connect their experiences with our curriculum. I just think it, it's it's needed more. So I'm just happy to be a part of the, the movement, right, to, to do a little bit more of that. And I really appreciate, you know, you giving me a chance to share. I'm really grateful that you would share all of this with our audience. I think that there was a lot to learn tonight. I learned a lot this evening from you. And there are lots of things that I plan on employing. And what's great about the conversation tonight with Dan is you can go to school tomorrow. Well, maybe not tomorrow because we're recording this during winter break, but you can go to school tomorrow or whenever it is you have school next and you can do this the next day. You can put this together tomorrow. It's something new that you can try. And I think that's invaluable to have something in your toolbox that you can just pull out and, uh, and use immediately. Um, Dan, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you beyond this podcast, how can they do that? Well, my Twitter handle is DM Fouts. Also, I guess if you wanted to just email me, you know, dan at teachdifferent.com, that would be great too. I'd, I'd respond. Love to strike up a, a conversation with you. That's wonderful. And if you'd like to visit Teach Different, it's www.teachdifferent.com. Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you, Dan, for being on the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Thank you, audience, for listening. If you would like to get in touch with me between now and the next episode, you can find me on Twitter at, at History Her Way or on my website at www.teachinghistoryherway.com. Thank you so very much for listening. I really appreciate every listener that comes. I'm hoping that you're learning something because I am learning so much from everyone that I talk to. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you next time on the Teaching History Her Way podcast.